It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Relentlessly Resilient, where real people share real life experiences and the tools they've developed to move forward and live their best life. I'm Michelle Scharf. And I'm Jenny Taylor. And Michelle, it is July in Utah, which means picnics and parades and barbecues and all things pioneer. So And all things patriotic. And all things all things America and Utah. It's our national holiday. It's our state holiday. Yeah. So let's talk for a minute about maybe why do we have these days? Why do we have a state holiday, a national holiday? And what can we do with them to make sure they're not just another shopping day? Although I got nothing against shopping. And I mentioned picnics, barbecues, and parades. Those are wonderful, awesome parts of summer traditions here in our communities. But you and I both know there could be a little more and a little more depth to that. So let's talk for a second first. Let's jump into 4th of July what it is, why it is, and I'm going to connect it a little bit to Memorial Day, if you're okay with that. Yeah, it'd be great. So 4th of July, everybody knows, happy birthday, America. Here we are. We declare independence. And independence these days seems to mean a lot of things, sometimes mm-hmm. controversial. We want to be independent of, of all everyone's other opinions. But, of course, that independence is really interdependence, right? We can't mm-hmm. just do whatever we want and decide whatever we want, but... I love the 4th of July and what we celebrate, that declaration of freedom, that declaration, I think, of brotherhood. You know, the war, the Revolutionary War never could have been won had people not come together. They had to fight together. They had to compromise. They had to kind of dream and create this new country together. But I'm going to backtrack a little bit to what Memorial Day was. We just finished that off. And it, to me, is the bookend of summer. We start with Memorial Day. We end with Labor Day. And I think on... All of these holidays, it would be good for us, especially those of us that have kids or neighbor kids or grandkids in our lives, to think about what we really want our kids to think of these holidays. So for Memorial Day, if you look back to the history of it, it was originally called Decoration Day in the Civil War because a lot of the ladies would decorate the graves of the many, many who died in that terrible, awful war, where, of course, every casualty was Mm -hmm. American, both sides. And as they decorate these graves, of course, they put the wreaths or the flowers or the things we continue, very traditional in our culture today. But the word decoration also has a second meaning. It doesn't just mean, oh, make it beautiful and put flowers on a dead person's grave. Decoration means to add honor to. And I've thought a lot about that these past couple of years now that, you know, the 4th of July and some of these holidays have another layer of meaning Mm -hmm. in, in our family. How do we add honor to those who have died for our country, how do we add honor to those who fought for independence around the 4th of July in 1776? In Utah, we have our Pioneer Day, our Pioneer Heritage for our state holiday. How do we add honor to those that blaze the physical trails as we're now in our own lives trying to blaze some kind of trail day after day? So mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? Where do we... Well, you know what's interesting to me is I, I feel like a lot of Americans, they confuse Veterans Day with Memorial Day. For sure. So Veterans Day is really about honoring those who have served. Yep. 
Memorial Day is about honoring those who have lost their lives in battle. Yes, and I think we as Americans, myself and my family included, we take Memorial Day as a day to honor all who have died Mm -hmm. anywhere and everywhere of every cause, which is beautiful. And I... I've gone to my father's grave with my father's family every year on Memorial Day. We right. we remember him. It's a Memorial Day. Right. And I think but, that that's, and that's okay. wonderful. Sure. Right. But don't lose sight of the fact that the actual holiday is, like you said, intended to celebrate those who die in uniform. Yeah. Those who die in the service of our country. Very different from any other manner or cause of death and very different from Veterans Day, which, as you said, is a beautiful day to celebrate all who have served in uniform. Yeah. You know, I often don't think of myself as a person who really has had a lot of service members in it, but actually I really do. My Both grandparents served. My grandfather was in World War II and he ran communications for the front lines. Oh, wow. Very dangerous position. Yeah. And very important. Yeah, very important. And at that time, they were running, you know, wires and all kinds of things. Actual wires for (laughs) communication. And um, I I do have a few stories that he shared with me, but he he mostly just carried those like most World War II veterans. A lot of the stories very quiet into his grave. Although when he slept, he often would run in his sleep. And my grandma would tell us he was chasing rabbits. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, I would later find out that he had trauma from running from troops. From what he had experienced. Uh So you bring up Memorial Day. I always honored my grandfather on Memorial Day. And it it wasn't until years later that I I realized what that holiday really meant. And I Mm. feel like it is really important and we should really understand it better. We should honor those who have sacrificed so much because they paid an ultimate price for freedom. Right. You know, I think of patriotism. And Mm -hmm. right now, patriotism is very often mixed in the mud with politics. And it seems to me and some of the people I know where they almost have these litmus tests for how patriotic are you Mm -hmm. or how truly American are you or do you love your country more or less than the next guy? What is patriotism to you? What does that look like? What does that feel like? Where have you seen it or lived it in your own life? So, Outside of the military, because yeah. patriotism is not only a military thing. Yeah. I feel like, uh, especially with the, I was raised in California. My school was mostly public schools, but also some private schools. And, you know, we always started the morning in public school with Pledge of Allegiance. We did that and a prayer in the public schools mm. that I attended. Patriotism to me is recognizing the value of America. Oh, and for me, that. it is the foundation of the Constitution and our unique form of government based on that Constitution. I am really concerned right now about where we are in our world and what's happening. We have a lot of people focused in fear mongering and a lot of conspiracy theories. Finger pointing. Finger pointing. Yeah. And we've kind of lost sight of the value of the Constitution itself. And most recently with Roe v. Wade and the leaking of the documents at uh, through the Supreme Court, our foundation of our constitutional government is at a threat. And, you know, I've heard politicians, I've been in politics for 12 years, I've heard them say this all the time, hanging by a thread. But I really feel that today more than ever. 
we have undermined our Supreme Court. We have taken away the ability for justices to have authentic, vulnerable, honest, heartfelt discussions without the threat of their words being leaked through, you know, we we don't know how this got leaked still. So there's, that erodes the very foundation of that form, which is part of our government. Yeah. You know, we have seen in the past decade at least, but more than that, an overturning of responsibility of the House of Representatives, the unwillingness to do the dirty work, the hard work, the sausage grinding of politics, working on hard issues to come up with solutions and to compromise, which is like a dirty word. Yeah, it's word. like when did that become a dirty word? Yeah, and it, it certainly is now today, right? And so they have subjugated their responsibility, and now we see precedents having much more... Well, it's almost as if precedence is making the laws, which right. was never intended to. Never intended that way. And so I feel like our Constitution is at the greatest threat that it's ever been. And I really wish that we were talking more about why the value of those things matter, why we need to change some of the laws. We should be working with representatives in the House to change some of the rules that they govern themselves to roll them back to more a time where it puts the emphasis on their responsibility. I don't know if we can actually do that. I don't know if they want it because politics is now so it's such a fire brand. It's kind of, yeah. And I think we get the media that plays into it and social media and one person hears this and reacts that way. Let's take a break. And when we come back, let's talk about what we always talk about resilience. So how can we, as we lament the disaster that sometimes is the Washington, D.C. politics or some of these really difficult situations we're finding ourselves in as a country, what can we do as regular everyday people in our homes and our families and our communities to make sure we hang on to the resilience that I know America is known for and what has kept us America for over 200 years now? We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Okay, so resilience, Michelle. It is easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get worried, sometimes even paranoid, like, I'm with you. Oh, my goodness, what's going to happen to this country? My husband and I used to talk sometimes, what will it take to bring us back together? What will it take for kumbaya to reign and all these things? And sadly, it would seem sometimes when our country goes through horrible, awful things, we come together. We do. We go through horrible, awful things. And I think that's human nature. When when someone dies in our community, mm-hmm. we pause. When a child is hit by a car, we stop worrying about silly things. So what can we do? Let's talk about patriotism, apolitical patriotism. Is it possible? I think it is, and I think that's where we're going to have to find 
that resilience that America is known for. America has been through hard times before, and we've come together and risen up. I think one of the beautiful things about America is that we can disagree and see the world differently. And one of the things I think we need to hang on to is we celebrate 4th of July and all these wonderful holidays, and we look at our pioneer heritage here in Utah. We need to remember the importance of freedom to think and act and choose our own path while also being respectful that someone else has the freedom to think and act and choose their own path. Mm -hmm. And finding that resilience of character, which isn't necessarily resilience of, like you said, the finger pointing or the Mm -hmm. fear mongering. So as we celebrate the 4th of July, how can we... What can we cling to? Let's, so let's I find that, the optimism, the hope. Yeah. So I think there's a different kind of resilience here. So there's resilience that we use on an emotional levels, right? And we talk about those things a lot on our shows. Having our three to five people that sure. are, have our back and that we can talk about the real things of life with. Having our support system in place. Those are kind of the emotional well-being things. And those are important for us as individuals. It's interesting as you're talking about this. I was told to read a book called The Fourth Turning, and I went through it this week so quick. It was amazing. And I I can't get into all of it right now, but it is interesting as you talk about this. It makes me think about it. We think that this is a new time. And yes, we haven't lived this experience before, so in that way it's new. But this book particularly... Uh, goes back 500 years and goes through the cycles of history of government and people and how that operates. There's an 80 to 85 year cycle. Hmm. And within that 80 to 80 year cycle, there are groups of about 20 year segments. And at the end of that cycle, there's an awakening. But the awakening begins with a crisis. And in this book, it talks about, I think it was written in 2005, and they start talking about it could be a nuclear war in 2020. Mm. It could be a biological warfare. It could be a pandemic. Interesting. And projecting into the future that is now today. Yeah. So they outlined how technology would be a part of it. They outlined several things. And this was written in 2005. They're not prophets, they're historians. One's a historian, and I can't remember the the other guy's some kind of um, research. I can't remember his title, but really interesting book. Anyways, in the book, they talk about how there are four types of people, and they exist on some level, but they tend to cycle as well. So there's a prophet, a nomad, a hero, and an artist. And so I think that... There's so many conspiracies out there right now. They're fueling a lot of fear. I would encourage people to read this book. Kind of takes the fear out of things. I mean, it's it's not non-fear based because it really talks about how those crises really build America and how we've come through those. Right. It talks about uh, the 1960s, the 1950s, free love. You know, we went from conservatives, women at home to women wanting to have more ability to have jobs and be able to be independent and support themselves. It kind of talks about the whole phases of things, that we go through this complete crisis, then there's a period of growth, and then there's an awakening, Mm -hmm. and then it cycles through again. 
How interesting to see that through the history of our country and probably the history of the world. I mean, you said 500 years. That's older than America. They do start out kind of going through the Romans okay. uh, and, and that kind of stuff. Similar experience. Similar experiences, although America it has a uniqueness to it. But they do go back through this and have clearly shown how it maps out. And we're right on track. We're in a crisis. Yeah. One of the things they predicted is there could be an insurrection. Interesting. And they said these things could be massive in scale, more than you can possibly imagine, or they can be kind of mild. Kind of smaller pockets. Smaller pockets. And it was fascinating to hear them map it out. But how this ties into resiliency is we need to take care of our emotional selves, being emotionally, mentally resilient in our families with ourselves. We can model that for our families. On the next level... It's self-sufficiency, being able to have the stock of toilet paper in your home, being able to have some resources of food available, being able to have some savings and being able to weather storms. And we know that Americans are ill-prepared for that and have very little in savings. Those are ways that we can make sure that we are healthy and that we can survive these difficulties and these blips, these whether they're natural happenings, natural destructions or if they're political. And I think that that really helps build America as a whole when we are self-sufficient. And it's interesting to me because I really feel like that is part of patriotism. You know, my grandparents, they were not religious at all, but they always had a food storage. They canned food every year. And I think it's interesting that we've kind of lost that as that generation has died off. I know I was super active in the LDS church, and for a time my calling was the preparation. Emergency preparedness? Emergency preparedness. And so we talk about food storage and those kind of things. And I was always really surprised at some of the most faithful members that I looked up to so much who told me they outright just didn't believe in it and that Mm. they weren't going to do it. And I always found that to be kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Because for me, it just seems a logical thing. Well, I love how you tie that into patriotism. And I think that for me is what patriotism really is, is like you said, it's an awareness of the opportunity and the blessings we have in this country and the responsibilities that come right down to our homes. Because again, I love, was it Barbara Bush that said, stop worrying so much about what happens at the White House and start worrying Mm -hmm. what happens in your house. Not that we don't care what happens Mm -hmm. in the White House, but we have more influence on that local level. What can we personally do? What can we in our families and communities do to be prepared to weather the storms? I'm thinking of this beautiful country of America and her history, and it looks a lot like any of our individual lives, right? Mm -hmm. You take the timelines over 200 years versus you and I, 40, 50, whatever, but you got good periods, you got bad periods. Mm -hmm. You got that moment of crisis that does lead to growth and awakening, and then you've got moments where you just crash and burn, and that's our country, That's our personal lives. Mm -hmm. So I think our question now to reflect on is we have these wonderful parades and picnics and things. What are we individually doing to capitalize on that personal growth? Now, that sounds like a terribly selfish sentence because capitalizing just sounds bad. But I hope you know what I mean. As we reflect on the foundation of this country, even as we reflect on the things that worry us about this country today, can we also find in there some kind of sense of growth, Mm -hmm. learning, intent purpose to say okay this is difficult and awful and scary 
And so what am I going to do about it? So we'll be right back. We'll have one more segment where we'll wrap this all up. back. So Michelle, we're looking at this great country of ours, great freedoms of ours, Memorial Day, Independence Day, looking ahead to Veterans Day. You know, I love that here in Utah, we also celebrate Pioneer Day. Now, if you're not from Utah, you probably have never heard of Pioneer Day, (laughs) unless maybe you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And if you're not and you live here, it's Pie and Bear Day. Oh, Pie and Bear Day. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Which side are you going to go with? Uh, We have rodeos. We have Mm -hmm. more picnics and parades. But let's talk for just a second We've hit on patriotism being something where you appreciate the opportunities your country and your constitution give you and then take a sense of responsibility. So what are you going to do about it? Let's talk about this pioneer heritage because it's easy historically to say a pioneer is a person in a bonnet with a horse and a wagon walking across a really hard terrain and coming to the valley of, you know, happily ever after. Mm -hmm. Again, I think as we study the history of our communities and state, the history of our country, we can see those same life lessons. You mm-hmm. have good times and you have bad times. You have hard times. You have growth times. Mm-hmm. So what Talk about mean? resilience. I yeah. mean, the pioneers are just one story and after the next and of resilience. Of physical resilience. Yeah. And I think sometimes the ease of our physical lives for most of us can in a way almost let us off our guard. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. I, I sometimes think, is that why we are not emotionally fit? today. Interesting. And I, I feel because like we lack that physical component yeah, or what do you mean? Yeah. Because we mm. have so much leisure time on yes. our hands. It's almost too easy. It's almost too easy. And we are left to allow our minds to wander and worry, start worry and create anxiety and fears yeah. and, and then start to question things you and, know, and make our own stories up. That's such a good point. I tell my kids sometimes, you know, if we if we lived in pioneer times and mm-hmm. think of the simple act of cleaning a small cabin in pioneer days, mm-hmm. you didn't have the vacuum, mm-hmm. let alone the Roomba. You didn't have the food disposal. Well, you, you might not have, have the, even had a floor. <laughs> yeah, your floor is dirt. And so you're beating the rug to get mm-hmm. the dirt out of it. You're walking to the market or even walking to the well to get water. That physical activity. Mm-hmm. There is that connection between our physical resilience and our emotional resilience. Mm -hmm. And I would argue that sometimes when we're struggling with our emotional resilience, we might do well to pause worrying about that emotional resilience and focus on our physical resilience. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Go take a walk. Go to the gym. Go lift some weights. Look at what you're eating. Look Mm -hmm. at your physical activity. Find ways for your physical body to help your emotional mind rather than be pulled down by it. Yeah. And, and the pioneers, like you said, they had, as you're physically having to take one step after another through horrible, awful weather, through nice weather, through terrible death. They had to find their things. food, Jenny. They had to find it, every kill day. it, clean it every, every day. day. Yeah. They did not have Costco and a pantry full of food And a snacks. refrigerator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, lest we forget these beautiful um, ancestors of ours. And again, whether you have pioneers in your physical ancestry or whether you're brand new to this country, maybe you've, you've just come here in recent generations or you yourself are new here. I think there's a lot we can learn from the history of our state here in Utah and any state and the history of our country. You know, I look at 
people like my husband who, for whatever reason, felt compelled to put on a uniform Mm -hmm. and go fight and even die for the freedom, for the cause, for the hope, for the opportunity. I didn't do that. I never put on a uniform. I never put on boots. And I will probably not die at the hand of a combat enemy. Mm -hmm. But will it be said of me when I do die that I lived my life for my country and my countrymen? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't have to be military. And it doesn't have to be in politics. You know, it's funny is I actually... patriotism. Yeah. I actually had considered going into the Air Force... Uh, to I get my, never knew that. Yeah, to get my nursing degree. Okay, but I wanted to do it in the Air Force because they traveled a lot. Yeah, and I never knew that about it, you. Yeah, yeah, and I ended up getting married and didn't go go okay. that direction. But but you considered it. But I considered it, and hmm. so um, my grandparents lived at the base of Mather Air Force Base. They lived at the the main gate, okay. um, right right down the street in North Highlands, California. And I heard taps when I stayed there every morning, every night. Yep. And it always just inspired a sense of patriotism in me and the realization of this country and the stories that my grandfather did tell me, his sacrifice and their their way of viewing the world, which wasn't always maybe the best, but in a lot of ways, it was very American-centered. And I feel like I even hear sometimes my own children, I have one child in particular, who will tell me, America's terrible, America's this, America's that, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're not traveled. You don't understand what we have here. I think sometimes we don't know how good we've got it. Yeah. And I think that it's great if you can travel because I just returned from Spain. It's beautiful, but it's definitely operates on a different level than we do here in America. They live differently than we do. And it's just different. But I came back appreciating America and so happy to be be home. home. Well, and I think sometimes in today's culture, we tend to think, again, we think in extremes, right? Mm -hmm. Everything's all the way this or all the way that. Patriotism does not have to be arrogance. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think real patriotism, regardless of your country, like I hope I hope the Spaniards are patriotic. I mm-hmm. hope Australians are patriotic. Real patriotism, I think, is a humility. Yeah. It's not an arrogance that we're better than you. Mm-hmm. It's an awareness of here's the opportunities we have, particularly in a in a free democratic society like ours, where we can disagree. We can get involved in the process. We cannot get involved in the process. We can complain and hate the process. We can do something about the process. What Brent used to say a lot, you know, this is a man that studied American history, worked in American history, served in the military and politics, and he would say that our country, our system is messy. Mm-hmm. But it's it better, is messy. But it's better than any other system on the planet that history has yet found. Now, that doesn't mean we're perfect. I love the line... A more perfect union. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people like your son, a lot of kids, the younger generation, a lot of internationals who think because America's not perfect Mm -hmm. that we need to um, throw it all away or what. I think we look at the two words, more perfect. Mm -hmm. Are we more perfect today than we were 50 years ago? Are we improving? Are we progressing from where we were a couple hundred years ago? Our founding fathers didn't get everything right, but they sent us on a good trajectory. Same with the they pioneers. Did. I would say Are in the last decade, we have seen some destruction of our system, and I, I have real concerns about it. You know, we as individuals have the most power at our city hall, in our county offices, at our state and local government. 
That's the most amount of connection that we have right. and where we can make a difference. But I, my involvement in politics, uh, you know, kind of started with the Tea Party, which was the biggest upheaval of uh, people coming together. And then I kind of stepped away from that because they got really focused on immigration issues and in a way that I don't agree with. I'm super fiscal conservative, but the immigration thing was where they were and where I was was not the same. I I see a lot of organization of activists in our community, especially here in Utah. But I mean, you you can identify others in other states as well. And you know, in liberal states, there's a lot more liberal, far more far sure. left. And in our state, we have some more far right. And I don't really see how they are actually really helping move the system forward. It's almost like they're like, we have this set of ideals and beliefs, and you all need to operate under these ideals and beliefs. That was never the intention of our government. It was about differences and about representing people as a whole, which means it's messy, it's hard, and it's deliberate. And I... And, and I we're will, missing that. Yep. And I will argue till the day I die that those freedoms really are worth dying for. And that is what Memorial Day is about. That is what the 4th of July for me is about. That's what September 11th is about. That's even what Veterans Day is about, mm-hmm. even though Veterans Day is the holiday of the living service member. It's looking at the freedom and the opportunity we have, checking ourselves, what is my patriotism motivating me to do, like you said, at my most local grassroots level, in or out of politics, to try and make America more perfect, to try and make my home, my community, my neighborhood more resilient as a country, Mm -hmm. as a people. And I think we learn those lessons in our own lives because that's where we live, in our headspace. But I think we would be wise this summer as we have all these back-to-picnics, parades, and barbecues. Talk with your kids about the history of this country. Talk about the history of battles fought. Talk about the history of compromises made. Talk about the history of really big moments. Like, Michelle, you mentioned those those cycles where we go through kind of waves in history where big pivotal changes have come to our society and our culture. Talk about those. Reflect about those. And then even though it is really tempting to be very discouraged about the condition of a lot of things right now, I think our truest resilience will be in maintaining that American spirit of hope and optimism that can only be found when we come together. And I think we'll close it out with this. Brent, my husband, his last Facebook post was um, in October of 2018. He had just helped with the first parliamentary elections in Afghanistan over eight years. It had been eight years since they'd been able to have a free and open election because of danger, because of terrorism. And they finally had these elections. There were deaths. There were a lot of dangerous things that happened. And if you study the history, Brent's death was actually part of a chain of events stemming back to that election, though he didn't die in the actual election. But as he watched those Afghan people stand up in line, literally risking their lives to cast a ballot at those first free and open elections in eight years, he posted on his Facebook page that he hoped that we back home Democrats and Republicans would remember that there is more that unites us than divides us because united we stand and divided we we fall. fall. 
So that's that's where we're going to close it out. Our resilience Absolutely. is found in being united. That does yep. not mean we have to see everything the same way. Mm-hmm. Resilience in our personal life stands in being united with the people who mm-hmm. help and support and encourage us. Resilience in our marriages, in our homes, in our families, in our schools. So, America, let's do this. We're going to be resilient. We're going to remember to look for what unites us. We're going to be respectful and give people space to have differing opinions. And at the end of the day, we're going to... Always acknowledge that patriotism brings with it great responsibility and humility. We've been given a lot by a lot of men and women for a lot of years who have fought, blood, and died so that we can disagree and live mm-hmm. in this mess of democracy. Let's do the best we can to add honor to the lives they lived. So that's it. All right. Happy happy picnic parades and holidays. And as you listen this summer, we're going to continue to share amazing stories of human resilience. And you're going to listen and you're going to think, I was resilient. I've been resilient. I have resilience. We want you to contact us and share your story. Whatever you've been through, you've got something to offer the rest of us in sharing your experience. So find us on social media at Relentlessly Resilient Podcast or email us at rrpodcast at ksl.com so we can learn and grow with you. Yeah, and happy Independence Day, America. Independence. That requires self-sufficiency. It surely does. It surely does. Whatever you do today, remember to be kind. You have no idea the struggles others are dealing with in their own life. Have a great day. Happy birthday, America. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought... I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.